abundant isn't always easy, but in this episode, we are speaking with Chela Diaz, who shares with us so many golden nuggets. That is coming right up. You did it. You have found your judgment-free zone, the Her Dinero Matters podcast, a bilingual podcast for women who want to become reinas of their money and love their dinero more. I am your host, Jen Hemphill, a former extreme frugalist turned reina of your money advocate. Each week, I'm going to help you reign your money like that queen that you are with inspiring interviews and panel discussions from La Comunidad Latina and with solo episodes sharing simple, actionable tips and strategies. Thanks for spending some time with me today. And now let's jump into today's Dose of Money Confidence. Hola, ¿qué tal? This is Jen Hempel, your host, and today I've got another fantastic mujer, another fantastic guest to introduce you to. Before we get started, though, I wanted to make sure you are aware of the Cafecito Lounge, only available on the Himalaya app. There you get office hours with me, bonus episodes, PDFs, and you can try it for free with the code Dinero. The link is in the show notes and at the very end of this episode. In today's episode with our guest, you're going to learn the valuable lessons she learned about money from watching her dad growing up, as well as a key question to ask yourself when you find things not going your way, as well as some fabulous tips to instantly feel more abundant. And these are different than from what I've heard before. So get ready. I'm going to share with you a little bit about Chela. Chela Diaz knew at a very young age she was different from other kids. She was able to see and feel things other kids could not. She didn't want to stand out, so she put her gifts to sleep. She was married for 17 years and has two sons, and she has been good with money since she was nine years old. Chela meets every client where they are and provides the tool they need to get them where they want to go. Lista? You ready? Vamos a conocer this reina of her money. Chela, bienvenida. I am excited to have you here on the podcast. We connected recently and we actually chatted before we decided to do this podcast. And I was really intrigued with you your upbringing and your story. So you're ready to get into this? I am. I've been looking forward to it. I'm so excited. Awesome. Let's start with your money story. So tell us a little bit about how you grew up, what you heard, what you experienced, what you observed that has to do with money. Uh, My dad was the sole winner and my mom was a housewife and my dad was a baker. So he worked as at a bakery store, but also on the weekends, he did his own breads and, uh, you know, the traditional Mexican breads, and he sold them, you know, throughout. So very much blue collar workers. And the one thing that I heard is you have to work hard for your money. And what do you think at that time? What did that mean? Like work hard? What did that mean to you at that age? Well, at that age, especially when you do see, and especially because we contributed, right? So there was times where my dad woke me up at six o'clock in the morning to help. Crack the eggs and all that. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, and there was this one tradition of bread where it's all pink and it's covered with coconut. So I remember my hands being pink for the longest time. Well, it's actually red, but it turns out to be pink, but right. So for me, it's, you know, you have to work hard. That means that you go and you do a job, but you only get paid based on what you do or based on what you achieve, you accomplish. And do you feel that meaning has changed now of what that means working hard for your money? Absolutely. Has it? Yeah, definitely. So for me, when I first went out and I got paid for my first speaking engagement in this while back, but just getting $500 to go do a talk at the time was huge, right? I, the butterflies were going. I was like, you know what I mean? I, I really had to call out my coaches and my mentors to, to overcome that. And now I feel that all the work that I have done, all the books that I have read, all the trainings that I have taken, I have so much value in my brain, right? That I'm able to share and inspire and help others, that that should be rewarded. So basically from childhood, childhood, the meaning of you have to work hard for your money meant it was attributed to the job and what you were doing at the job. But then in adulthood, it it's, it's more rewarding. Is that what I'm understanding? Absolutely. It's more rewarding to share, to go out and learn, but also to share and to learn. And just when you see that face, you know, when the people's lights go on, right, they get it. They connected the dots for themselves. Having that experience, that by itself, watching other people connect the dots to me is so much more powerful than, you know, the whatever money you're going to be getting out of doing that. Interesting. So you helped your dad with the baking, cracking eggs. I I relate to that because my dad baked. I mean, he loves to bake. And growing up, that was something that he did on the side to earn some money, just like your dad. We had a bakery and then had to close it down. So I relate to getting up early, helping, (laughs) cracking the eggs, all that good stuff. Tell us a little more. So you grew up around a, a father who really had a good work ethic, worked hard. What else happened? Take us through what else happened next. Well, the other experience that I really remember is me being in elementary school, maybe middle school, and my dad having taken on two jobs, two full-time jobs. And the second job, all of the earnings from that job went into a savings account. But as a child, right, when your dad is working that you don't realize, all I remember is having to be quiet, not being able to run around and do all the things that kids do. And it seemed like it was forever, but it was actually only six months, right? But it's just that, you know, being restricted because your dad was sleeping, you know, he was working, you know, 16 hours. And so when he was home during the day, he needed to sleep. But What was really clever about that, so I remember the pain of not being able to play, not being able to scream, not being able to watch TV, not being able to do that. But what he did, which I think is very smart, is that the second job went into a savings account. And after six months, he had enough money to put a down payment for a house. Right. So it was very. Yeah. But also, you know, as a kid, I definitely did not appreciate that. I hear (laughs) you. But it was even more than that. We were in the house for about two, maybe three years. We'll say three years. He sold that house and purchased six units, 
which I also thought, you know, again, you know, it was not so much what he was saying, but the actions that he was taking. So with the six units, he was getting rent from the other unit, which is going to allow him to pay for the mortgage. So again, not something you appreciate when you're having to move schools in the middle of, you know, not graduating from the school. So I definitely do not appreciate, but now as an adult, I really do appreciate the sacrifice and the fact that he was looking out for a better future for all of us. So what I'm hearing here is that your dad had a plan in mind. He was focused. He was driven. He had a goal. So he wasn't just doing the two jobs just for fun, just to make extra money. He had a vision and a plan for that extra money. So he saved that money, had a down payment, and then in turn, bought a house sold it and bought some units so he can rent them out and from that income pay the mortgage, which is brilliant. So that was his vision and he stuck to it. And that's something I think we need to do more often because sometimes we get into the day-to-day grind and we need to look further ahead. It doesn't have to be 10, 15 years ahead, but maybe the next six months or two, three years. And and really tailor our goals to help us reach that, that longer term vision. And exactly. And for your listeners, right? It may seem like he took forever, right? As an adult, I didn't realize that. But that watching him do that allowed me to. And so I purchased my first car when I was 17 with a little from his help. He didn't let me buy the first car that I wanted to buy. He's like, no, that, you know, that's, that's not going to be, Mija, that's not going to be a good car for you. And I still didn't get it, right? But so I bought my car. I had a, a part-time job and I bought my car when I was 17 and then turned around and bought my first house when I was 23 years old. That's amazing. Again, I did ask for a little help, financial help on that <laughs> with my dad. And the timing was perfect. And he had a Kundina coming up at the time. So Kundina for our non-Spanish speaking is where groups of people come together and you all participate and you give in a certain amount of money every week and then you pick a number and so far and so on. So he always participated in that. I think that's, in my opinion, the the Latino version of forcing yourself to save. Mm -hmm. So with a little bit of his help, $1,400 actually, I was able to buy, (laughs) I was able to buy my first house when I was 23. That's amazing. Now, why not take a step back to the house that he bought? Because you mentioned uh, just for a time frame reference for you listening, six months, it took him six months to save for a down payment. Then from there, he purchased the house in six or he, he saved the money in six months for the down payment. He purchased the house. And then how long was he in the house or were y'all in the house before he sold it? It was like two and a half years. Two and a half years. Okay, so two and a half years later, he sold the house, was able to purchase six units and rent them for some income. So that's basically a time investment of maybe three years, three plus years, which to be able to do that, because that investment of time and dedication and focus, I don't know how long he kept the rental units, it gave him the ability for that continued income to pay it over and over again, which is beautiful. Love it, love it. And he did. He ended up going out and he bought, he was like like seven more properties. You know, but to me, I was not at 
the home at that point in time when he did that. But what I do remember is that six months purchasing of the house, which had a just ginormous backyard, and then being able to walk to school because it was less than a half a mile, being able to walk to the high school, and then moving into a six unit, which is still a pretty big apartment. We lived in the front house and had a very nice yard and all, but it's the additional income that he was getting that was going to help him pay the mortgage, which was was really great. And obviously seeing that and observing that, that set an example for you, being able to purchase a car at 17 years of age, being able to purchase your first house at 23 years of age, even if you had some help, but that's okay. We all need, I mean, to be able to do that, especially a, a house, a, a significant purchase like that, or a car, we, for the first time, we definitely need some help and, and that's quite okay. So tell us a little more, because one thing that I have read about you is that you knew when you were a kid that you were different. What made you different? What made you have that feeling? I am different. I Tell us about that. Ah, that's a great question. So when I was eight years old, I was able to see. So now I am very proud to say that I am an energy healer. But when I was eight years old, I knew that I could see things like my instinct was incredibly strong. But I did not want to be one of those weird kids and stand out. So I shut my gifts off. Then I was married and I was married to a person that didn't believe in all that woo-woo-ness. So I I continued to shut my gifts off and really, truly began my spiritual journey after my divorce, really beginning to be okay with that spiritual side and whatever those gifts may be, and being okay with showing up as the authentic me. That's incredible, because sometimes we, granted, as kids, we definitely are aware and in tune, like, to who we are, even though we may not fully understand it, right? So it's interesting that you knew, right, that you had that. Or maybe were you aware you had a good instinct at that time? Or were you trying to understand that? I was truly aware because most of my information comes to me in my sleep. So I knew, you know, I mean, as much as you can tell. So my I knew that what I was dreaming, and then it turned around, it came true. So you know what I mean? But that's not something you could really share with, with people. <laughs> and right. I witnessed some, like an aunt and a relative and people made fun of her and people did not want to be around her because she was a little bit out there. So I did experience that. And I was like, well, maybe this is not something we can talk about out in public. I hear you. Well, thanks for sharing that because that is interesting. What else is there in uh, your money story? Is there anything else that you want to share that has made an impact in your life? The knowingness, you know, so money has, I've been good with money since I was nine years old. You know, I, I used to go to the farmer's market at nine and I knew the vendors, they had the best produce at the lowest price. And to this day, as of this recording in 2020, my dad still tells that story. Right. So it's something that, you know, it's all my nieces and nephews. They're familiar with the story, but it was something that just made sense to me. And so I saw money simply as a tool. You know, money helps you to do things. Money help, helps you to help people. Money, you know, it's, it was always about the bigger picture. And that also is something that made me different than the other kids. You know, I wasn't interested in, and I'm not saying I didn't. But it was not at the top of my list of, you know, getting the car or getting the house or, 
you know, buying the latest of games and all of that. So it was just more about the bigger picture. Do you think it, that stemmed from the example your dad was setting? Because I hear your father mentioned time and time again. Uh, yeah, you know, I do have to say definitely, even though, and this is by itself helping me understand, even though at the time it didn't seem that way, but my dad is really smart with money and with numbers. He's good at math, period. So absolutely, you know, it was something that it was there that he was showing us. So she was showing us versus telling us, right? So it was more from his example than what he was saying. Awesome. Now, another thing that I was reading on you was that you have been on a healing journey. So tell us about what that means and what you, you know, how that has progressed. Oh my God, this is, has been, we'll say it's been over 15 years now. And it's, I started because I felt there was a void. There was a void in me and I really wanted to identify what that was. And so I started by doing different types of certifications, theta healing, Reiki teacher, Reiki master, and the list goes on and on. I, I hold over 15 certifications, but it's being okay. And so a couple of years back, the biggest shift for me was when I moved to Portland. Or Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Oregon, and I had never been, and I did not know anybody there. So just that blind faith truly allowed me to be okay and trust that it was at the right time, at the right place, and the right people would show up. So it's just truly, that was a test for me in trusting that my, I have a purpose, and then I have a mission, and I have a vision. And that all became very clear that, you know, I have a gift, and my gift is to help women understand, I'll say women and awakened men, understand and build a relationship with money that's going to serve them and their family. Love it. Of course, here and Heard the Netto Matters, it's about the relationship with money. It's about the money story, which obviously impacts the relationship. The money story comes first, or I mean, you can debate, right? You can debate depending on the person. But I feel the money story, especially comforts, it affects the relationship. And you can always change your money story and obviously change your relationship with money. But I think that's so critical what you are doing. Now, you are also a life coach, correct? Correct. Just right. helping, I guess, again, mostly women, is helping them connect the dots. So if you're not, even if you're like, oh, no, another coach. But for me, it's just helping you connect the dots. What was that money story? How's that money story have a current effect on your financial picture? And what can we do to go back and shift it? Just like you said, right? Because once you're able to identify what that story is, then you're able to make different choices. Right. And I think being a life coach, I think that makes such a great compliment to the financial piece, being able to help people with finances, but also having that background of being a life coach. I think that's such, so critical because uh, with life coaches, they, they're phenomenal. <laughs> we're able to see, right? We're, we're life coaches are able to see the whole picture. And it's also about showing you, but also allowing you. So some of my clients, I know that they're possibly not going in the right track, 
But if I get them to come back to the right track, they have to find out for themselves, right? So you, you kind of have to let them go in, in that direction for a little bit because I want them to learn. I don't want them to depend on me for the rest of their lives. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. So let's talk about abundance because that is something that you focus on as well. So abundance and relationship with money. What would you say are your best tips to increase those feelings of abundance, to increase or really get rid of or minimize those limiting beliefs? What would you say are your top tips on that? I would say for the abundance and something is to truly, and I know you've you've heard it before, listeners, but look at all the things around you and the things that you are grateful for. Even if you start your morning, so this is my tip, even if you start your morning for being grateful for the bed, for being grateful that you're, you know, you have food, being grateful for the water. You know, I think here, California, the United States period, uh, we take for granted that other places don't have clean water, right? So what if we just start with clean water? We're able to go to a faucet and we're able to get clean water. But if you begin to be grateful for the things that you have, to me, that's where it starts, because then you begin to see what's around you. And then another big piece is, how can you help somebody? And I don't mean how much money you can give. I mean, can you go donate a couple of hours at the library and read a book? Can you pick up somebody's groceries that's in the hospital or disabled, whatever, you know what I mean? What can you do? So I personally volunteer for a thrift store. It's a nonprofit for eight years. And what I've learned there, right? So I volunteer Saturdays for like four hours. But what I gain from it and the people that I've met. So what can you do to give back? Because when you do that, you're able to find that in you. And you're able to have a deeper appreciation for what you have. And when you tell the universe what you're grateful for and what you appreciate, guess what? Whether you call it God, whether you call it universe, whatever, divine, whatever, it's going to send you more. I agree. I agree. There's always, it's just like when you have a bad Monday, you spill your coffee or you're thinking you're making coffee, but you didn't put the cup in. And then you're like, oh, it's a Monday. It's the case of the Mondays. And the next thing you're late for work or you get stuck in traffic or, and then it just continues to escalate and you just continue, well, it's a Monday. And so more things come. It's, it's just so interesting how that works. And the last question I wanted to ask you, we talked about abundance and something that ties in to abundance is love. Meaning I'm talking specifically about loving your money. And because we tend to have a lot of shame or guilt about having more money. So what would you say are some things that we can do to love our money more? Go back to the original and just start thinking about money if you're in the relationship, whether it's a, you know, love interest, whether it's a brother, whether it doesn't matter, right? Even just friendships. So start treating money like you would a friend, right? And are you telling that there's never enough? I don't have enough. You're not enough for me to pay the bills this time. You know, I can't believe that my money is, what are you saying to money? And start thinking as money as being that friend, that partner. Because, you know, the, when you think about it, if, if somebody was treating you that way and they were saying you're not enough, you, you know, you don't, whatever the case may be, you're never enough. Would you stick around? Absolutely not. So right? the money is, yeah. 
So start thinking about money and building that relationship around it. Talk to it. Be friends with it, right? Be grateful. And I know for you listening that may be thinking, oh my gosh, I can't talk to my money because I know you listening, you could either be on three teams, team A, really woo-woo, team B, kind of so-so, but not so much. And then team C, definitely not woo-woo. So if you're on team C where you're like, no way, Jose, that is just too weird for me. Just try it out. And because some things, things, the first time, and I'm not, I'm not advocating woo-woo or, or anti-woo-woo. I'm not advocating. I'm just advocating you trying something and seeing what works. That's all. So if you try it, something for the first time, it's going to feel funny. Riding the bike, driving the car, a a manual car for the first time. Oh my goodness, I can have stories about that. It's going to feel odd and and weird. So I just say, try it. And it's okay to feel weird and be okay with that. What if you are able to just do it, just do it for 30 days, right? Just every day say something. So for me, I normally, when I'm starting a new habit, I practice it in the morning. And then I give myself space between 11, 11 a.m. to 1, 11. I like the numbers. Between that time, it's just my brain. I'm grateful for whatever. And then I do it in the evening again. So three times a day, just a reminder, just a quick, you know, whatever that may be for, for money or the relationships. I'm grateful. I appreciate it. And for me, I tend to find money everywhere, right? Love it. That penny, I'm, I'm okay with picking up a penny. Whether it's that dime, whether it's that quarter, that seven dollars, I'm also enjoy playing scratchers. That's kind of what. And but you know what? I win all the time. <laughs> Love I it. Just, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying you should go out and play scratchers, right? But what I'm saying is that look for opportunities. Once you begin to make this practice, what if you find your favorite soaps or your shampoos or whatever on sale? Right. So those are the things that could start to begin to show up ways right. for you to. And it's all money related, even though you're not just getting a check in the mail. But things for you to save money are going to begin to show up once you begin to be grateful. It's funny. We'd love to hear from you. And I know we hear a lot how the importance of gratitude. But what I really liked about what you shared is that you do it throughout the day. And what I find fantastic about that is that you don't wait till nighttime or you just don't do it in the morning. But by doing it throughout the day, things happen during the day. What it could be positive, it could be negative, but just doing that throughout the day helps you pick that up, boost you, right? It kind of levels you. And if you some you got some email or some call or something happen, if you just have that habit, I think it will definitely give you an instant boost to keep you going in a more positive way for that day. And I I love that. Yeah, couldn't have said it. So even if the coffee example that you gave, right? So let's say, because I've been there, as you were talking, I was imagining having all the the, the coffee grains all over the place. And I also sometimes put too much, like double the amount of water. So we don't want to talk about that mess. But even when those things happened, right, and you get catch all the red lights on your way to work, even when that happens, even if you just ask your question, what am I supposed to learn from this event? So for the coffee, and this is just from my experience, 
So from the coffee, what I could learn when I did that is that I was rushing it. I was just rushing through things. So my lesson is maybe just take two seconds and take a deep breath and do things properly. Be present in the moment. Mm -hmm. So for me, that was the case. Or for red lights, you know, when you catch, well, you know what? Maybe you needed to take an extra. So just ask the questions. What am I supposed to learn from this? Beautiful. Get the mind, right? Because the monkey chatter is going to get in. And also it allows you to shift your energy and your mood much quicker. Absolutely. I love that question because I know when I've made coffee and it was pure water or things like that, I realize I'm trying to do too many things. It's because I was multitasking, trying to do the coffee, trying to do the breakfast, trying to send an email, whatever it is. And it's just the reminder, just slow down. You don't have to do it all. One thing is enough. I love that. Well, Chela, this has been absolutely fantastic. I have really enjoyed the conversation and I appreciate you. I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate you representing Latinas the way you do. So thank you so much for being here. It's been a pleasure and I definitely look forward to hearing your comments. Oof, I hope that you enjoyed that chat with Chela. I really learned a ton and got some insight as well. You can connect with her over on her Facebook page that is called Transcend Abundance. If you search that on Facebook, I will also have that link in today's show notes. Now, the reina of this week is Addison. She shared that she was able to lower the interest rate on her credit card by 2%. That is huge. So congratulations, Addison, because I know sometimes when you're wanting to negotiate your interest rate on your credit card, it really depends on two things. One, the person on the other line, and two, making sure you have done your homework, meaning you have looked at the comparable interest rates out there. What are they going for? that you know you've been a good customer. So you really have to form your argument, if you will. I don't like calling your argument, but basically form why they should lower their, their interest rate. Is it going to work 100% of the time? Maybe not. But it's, again, it's also worthwhile doing because 1%, 2%, depending on your balance, depending on different things, can make a huge difference. So if you've been there and have not received or did weren't successful in lowering your interest rate, make sure, try again, look at your past history. If you've been a good customer, also look at what the going rates are and negotiate. Meaning this could be uh, when you call, hi, I am such as, you know, Jen Hemphill. I've been a customer of yours for 10 years. I'm making these things up. And I've really been on time every time. I've never missed a payment. I've been a great customer. And look, I'm really trying to pay off this credit card, but I need your help. My interest rate is at 25% currently. And would you be willing to lower it and look at the different interest rates? And let's say it was 22 is the average as what you see on the promotion. Would you be willing to lower it at to 22%? Then they're going to say they can either decide on themselves, depending on who the person is and what title they hold. Or they'll say, hold on, let me check with my supervisor. Then they'll come back with a yes or a nay. 
If they come back with a yes, just say, is that the best you can do? I really appreciate that, but is that the best you can do? Just to see if they'll lower it a little more or give you some other perks. And then once, if you get a no, uh, just ask for feedback. You know, what is it that is holding you all back from lowering the interest rate? So that way you exactly know. Maybe there were some payments that you missed and you forgot about, and that still has an effect. Who knows what the situation is? So just an added tidbit that I didn't plan on sharing, but I thought it would be helpful. Now on today's episode and in our today's chat and interview, Chela shared some fantastic tips on being more abundant. And I really loved, as you heard me say, the tip on expressing gratitude three times a day. Typically, when you hear people saying you need to express gratitude, they say, start off with your morning with gratitude and writing three things down or, or end your day with gratitude and write down X amount of things uh, in your journal. But I had never heard of it this way where you express it three times a day, which really makes a lot of sense because as you're expressing it in these different times a day, you're uplifting your mood, right? Maybe you're already in a great mood, but you uplift it even more and it really makes a change. Uh, or maybe you've been, a, let's say you've been in a great mood all day, gets to the afternoon, evening, you're tired, you're, you're not feeling great, but just expressing that is going to instantly uplift your mood and your mindset and all those things. So I just thought it was such a fantastic tip. Again, I've never heard of it expressed this way. If you have, let me know because I may be running in the wrong circles. <laughs> so now the tips that she shared on abundance, you can apply these tips even more by grabbing your free copy of My Daily Money Ritual over at jenhemphill.com forward slash ritual. It is a free resource to help you focus on those areas of your financial life that you need to focus on right now. Because here's the deal. Sometimes we want to focus on everything and focus on everything at once is not getting us anywhere. So we got to focus on one thing at a time, make progress and focus on another thing, make progress and so forth. But that's my take. You can take it or leave it. <laughs> La próxima semana, we will be having a new panel, a new Reina panel, and you will get to meet Claudia, Cristina, and Laura where we have a very interesting conversation on their take and experience on loving their money. No te lo pierdes. You have to remember at the beginning of this month on episode 204, I gave you my take, just my take, mine alone, on loving your money versus loving money. So I thought it would be good to bring on some other people to give you their take because I don't want you to just to hear from me and my thoughts and perspective it's really good to hear other people's perspectives. And then from there, grab what you like and leave the rest. That is it. Eso es todo. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to tune into the show. I am grateful for that. Be sure to check out the show notes over at jenhempill.com forward slash 206 to refer to the resources that I mentioned in this show. Remember to claim your reina crown. Corona. You don't have to wait. And I can't express how important that is. The choice is definitely in your hands and becoming the reign of your money can start right now, today, this second. <laughs> While you're listening to this episode, you've got this. Tu puedes. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. I will talk to you next Thursday. Ciao.